Hello, and welcome to the Monthly Comic Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be discussing recently released comics. One from DC, one from Marvel, and at least one other. As always, we'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we'll discuss general plot points and storylines of the comics we review. In this monthly comic spotlight, I'm joined by James, and we're going to discuss some of the comics we got in July 2022. James, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. This was, I don't know, it felt like a small month, although it really kind of wasn't. I got 64 comics, which is the lower end of what I normally get, but it was one of those where first two weeks, not all that much compared to, well, I mean, 11 and then 13 and then 21 and 19. So it's not like there was that much more later in the month, but it feels like the months are getting kind of back heavy versus even throughout. No, no, I know what you're saying. The last two weeks, or whatever it is, it seems like the shipments are getting a lot bigger, and I don't know why that is, but whatever. Well, and I'm noticing some of the publishers have properties that they'll dump like two titles for the property, you know, one week of the month versus, you know, I don't know, space them out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a little bit frustrating. And and, and I got a little bit more than you. I, I want to be down in that 65 category. I think I'd be very comfortable there. If I'm getting close to 100 books, it's too many. Yeah. Well, at one point, 64 would have been a big week for me. <laughs> you don't miss those days, do you? Nope. That's, it's just a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And honestly, the comics aren't clicking with me as much as they, frankly, as they should be even at this level. No, no. I know exactly what you mean, because even when I started out as your co-host, I felt like things there was a little bit more talent on both the writing and art side. And, and some of those people went independent. Some of them just disappeared. I don't know if they went into TV or what they did, but uh, it just seems like there was a brain drain over the last few years. Or a talent drain, I should call it. Well, uh, the changing of the guard at the very least. It, yeah, at the very least. And it's just kind of changed things up. And DC, in the you know, midst of being sold, doesn't know where they want to go. And it, Well, it just... let, let's not blame that on being sold. I don't think DC's known where they want to go for, for ages now. <laughs> They just don't know where they want to go. <laughs> well, I mean, we could be here 10 years ago talking about how they keep taking the main three of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman and kicking them to the curb for either a, a, a one-year-later arc in 52 or for the, the Trinity series they did or just at other points where it's like, well, the problem must be that these characters have been around too long. And I'm like, no. problem is you don't know how to tell stories with them. Yeah, pretty much. I would agree with that. Because and it's weird because sometimes you feel like there's a good thing going and people seem to be enjoying it and there's not no reason to change and then they just things are changed for I don't know why. Well, I, and I, sometimes when they change, they feel the need to make a radical change. Yeah, and that's not necessarily good. That's sometimes really bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it takes the existing audience and really risks you know throwing them out. With, with such a radical departure and stuff. And this I've seen this happen on numerous titles. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, Which is why the last time we recorded on the second half of June, I told you this next order, I'm going to be making some serious cuts because the last order that I did was when I was coming back from my Peru trip. Mm -hmm. And I, ha I basically had to submit my order a day after the deadline because I got back so late. And so I was just rushing through and just adding things because – just inertia, and I didn't want to leave anything out, and I don't know what I was going to cut or whatever, and I just boom, 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 
got it together in like less than an hour and sent it off. And so I know there's stuff I don't want on there. Well, I, I think I still haven't made radical cuts yet. I'm starting to piece together my September order. We're recording this on September 13th, so I don't have a whole lot of time left to do that. But I think for me, it's a matter of, of taking a little time to pay closer attention to what I've been thinking of, of the comics. And I've been having this mindset of maybe I should find a good, you know, end of an arc and cut it there. And I'm starting to think, maybe not. Yeah, just cut it. <laughs> you know, I just, I need to give that some thought as to what I'm reading and why. And because there are a couple of these things where, I mean, there, there's a few on here. I've I've got a comment of, yeah, this one I need to drop. And this one I need to think about, do I want to drop or not? Yeah. I'm curious which ones those are. Oh, I'm sure you could guess if you had to. <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> Shall we go dive over into DC? Yeah, let me go ahead and filter my list. Let's see, do that. All right, got it. Overall, I thought this was an okay month. There wasn't really a whole lot that just kind of stood out as, wow, this is really good. Yeah, I would agree. Probably the best of the bunch, just looking at my scores, were Nightwing 94 or, believe it or not, I did like Batman 126. I do agree with you. I do like that the backup a little bit more than the main story. The fail-safe thing, kind of, eh, eh, I'm not enjoying that that much. But those were probably the two best titles for me. Certainly Nightwing is is a consistent title. It's good. The scene at the end of that, I don't think, was, was kind of what it appeared to be, because, I don't know, that seemed a little, little much if they go that way. Yeah, but I agree. Nightwing came out before Batman, and I point that out because I'm reading Batman, and I'm thinking, wait a sec, didn't Nightwing just crash a motorcycle into someone in his title last week? And I'm like, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like that's a major part of the story, but I'm like, two motorcycles in short order, I mean, both in the same week, not going to do his driving record any good. <laughs> he cannot get insurance any longer. <laughs> it's the same set piece or action piece or whatever for a stunt scene or whatever for an action scene, however you want to phrase it, in rapid succession. And like, don't these editors talk to each other these days? I don't think they do. Honestly, I, I feel like either there's not enough editors or they just don't care. I don't know what... Well, I was curious. So I, I went back to the credits page for each of these. Oh, okay. All right. And editor Ben Abernathy on Batman is also the group editor on Nightwing. So he had a person or two below him who probably did the actual editing, but it all fell under his jurisdiction. So he should know. You'd think. If he read the comics. That's a big if. <laughs> well, and it's easy for me to say, I don't think reading a 20-some-odd-page comic is that big of a deal. Now, granted, at the point they would have been doing this, it would have been the script stage. I, I would hope those points would have been spelled out in the story at that point, but... You would think. Either way, I don't know, it just, it, it seemed a little little odd to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now that you say it, I, I agree. And then, man, that reveal or whatever at the end of that Batman main story. Yeah. Like, oh man, don't go there. And I'm yeah. like, they're going there. They're going there. You know, the whole the funny thing that I was thinking, you know, the whole time with that fail safe thing, mm -hmm. you know, Batman's being hunted by him and, you know, Oracle's calling all these people. Dun, 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 dun. I'm like, man, if there was only someone who actually had some superpowers that Batman maybe knew or Oracle could get in <laughs> touch with. I'm just like, this could be over real quick. <laughs> There's an aspect where, I mean, and Oracle's been part of the Justice League officially at times. I know, I'm just like, come on, make a call. <laughs> She's got them in her equivalent of a Rolodex or whatever, to use a dated uh, analogy or whatever. But, I mean, 
imagine how quick a Batman story could be if you pull in the Flash for this, Green Lantern for this, Superman for that, or whatever. Yeah, it'd be like, boom. I I just kept reading and I was thinking, you know, at this point, you know, with all this stuff going on, I'm like, I think I would have called one of the heavy hitters, you know, whoever that is. A Green Lantern, a Flash, something. Somebody who's not a street level just running around and getting their ribs cracked or head beat in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, but that's part of the challenge of doing Batman stories in the DC universe. Yeah. And particularly when they would team him up with Superman all the time. It's like if if Superman's in the fight, can Batman survive it kind of question. Yeah, pretty much only, you know, the strategy to that is like, Mark Wade, you got to add in magic or something. Yeah, well, there are ways to handle it, and they've done it successfully for decades, but not all writers do that. Yeah, I agree. Now, I did find the backup feature in Batman, again, entertaining, but there was a point at which it's like, oh, it's two weeks after the last issue, and I'm like, it didn't feel like that much time elapsed in the main story, so it's like, how's that working? Yeah, that that was kind of weird. I agree with you on that. Uh, but But I do still think that backup is actually a little bit better than the main story. Which is saying something. Oh, I, I definitely think so. The, the The whole bit with Failsafe is not working great for me, and then the direction they seem to be going based on that last page. Yeah. I'm not going to say has me cautiously optimistic, but realistically pessimistic, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like it's a bad story element or whatever. It's just it's not where I want them to go. I, I agree. I agree. Now, there was something else that I enjoyed, but was there anything else that stood out for you? Because there was one that kind of stood out to me a little bit. Batman Superman World's Finest. That was a good one. I do agree. That was a good one. Again, great creative team. I'm really looking forward to the next issue, which I think is going to focus on Robin. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be terrific. It's been fun. And it gives me the vibes of like uh, what Peter David's doing over at Marvel, Mm -hmm. you know, revisiting those old stories and giving you like this flashback feel. It feels old while being fresh. It's got a nostalgic glory days kind of aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I like that, because they're both doing that, and both those books are vibing for or those writers are vibing for me, so I really like that. Cool, cool. Now, the other one that I enjoyed, and I, I don't know if you really enjoyed it, it's not really, I, I guess it is DCU, Duo number three. That's actually a Milestone book. Yeah, Milestone. So it, it's not DCU, I guess? No, and definitely not DCU. It's taking place on a different Earth. But the, uh, did you like that? I really enjoyed it. I think it's going in some very interesting and unexpected directions, and... I really hope they can land the ending on this. Me too, because, you know, I'm thinking back because I read this back in July and we're recording this here. It is September. So two months, you know, two months ago for me. But this was one that I really did like. You know, we get immortals talking about our duo team Mm -hmm. and now they're immortal with the nanobot disaster. What happened? So we get like a whole new thing opening up and we get more into who's in control of the body, which I really enjoyed that. Almost like a tussle, you know, that happens from time to time. Yeah, they definitely took this up a level, both in terms of the status quo for the lead characters, like you said, who's in control and and how and why and when. But then bringing in the immortals with these people being kind of artificial immortals and sort of second class citizens or whatever. It's like, wow, that in and of itself is an interesting concept. It's just fantastic. I've enjoyed it. Great Pox doing some great stuff here. Yeah, yeah. So those were like... Really good ones. I mean, another one that worked for me, which I, I can't really talk with you about because you haven't read it, is Rogues Number Three, that which wrapped that up. It was like three of those big magazine sized mm-hmm. things, and it was a it was a fun read. I wouldn't say it's you have to read it, but it was entertaining, and I don't regret reading it. It's just 
it, it was what, what it was, and it wrapped up in three big, chunky issues, and I enjoyed it. Cool. Did, did you get that Superman Space Age, that really big thing? I did not. Okay, that's another one that was like an 80-page, holy mackerel, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I liked it. I, I did enjoy it. I wouldn't say it's like A-plus material, Mark Russell, but it was good. It was, it's like a 60s-era era book with all-red art, you know, which gives yeah, it yeah. that 60s vibe. Well, he's a very pronounced style, and it's a great look. Yeah, and at points, I felt like it was almost like Forrest Gumpification of Superman, you know, different scenes throughout time with Superman there. But it, it worked. It was good. It, it wasn't, you know, you see World War II, Kennedy assassination, the rise of you know, nuclear Russia or the Soviet Union, you know, and the Cold War. So you get all that weird stuff. So anyways, it was enjoyable. But once again, not must read. This is probably something with James today. I wouldn't have picked it up. I can see that. I can just because I'm like, I got to cut back. You know, Well, there was a point I definitely would have picked it up, but I had decided to pass on it. Yeah. And it's a big magazine. It's like, now I got to get a new type of box. It's like, uh. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that two years from now, is anyone even going to remember it came out? Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I 90% of the percent sure that nobody's going to remember this story when it's done. Yeah. It's like the new hot thing and then it's gone within three or four months and nobody will remember. Now, in fairness, I think we could say that about a decent percentage of the DC output right now. Yeah, I would agree. (laughs) And not just DC, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Was there anything else that you liked or? There are one or two things I kind of want to mention. Superman, Son of Kal-El, they had the introduction of Dreamer from the Supergirl show. Yep. Into the DCU, Nicole Maines, who played Dreamer on Supergirl, co-wrote. I'm curious how much this character is going to play in upcoming issues. And it's funny because it's like, here's the future we want to avoid. I'm like, you know, it's not exactly like, but it's a little too similar to Injustice Gods Among Us. Okay. Which Tom Taylor wrote. Yeah. And I'm like, having a future you want to avoid, taking action. It's like, yeah, I get it, but it Been should, there, done that. It, it should have felt different. Yeah. It, what's interesting is I didn't know it was in the, she was in the TV show or Dreamer, that character. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time it was, she was in comic form, right? Technically, no. She was in, I think, the DC Pride issue, maybe? Oh, I never read that. Okay, so this was the first time I ever saw the character. Yeah, they're firmly pull, pulling her into the DC universe proper. Okay. Because I think some of those other one-shots are, are they in continuity, are they not? You know, that kind of question. Okay. I, I have a guess that she won't last very long. I, she just didn't seem like a that popular of a character to me, like something that people are going to latch on to. I think it's an interesting character. I think it'll definitely have a following. I think it will stick around. I don't think it's going to be an A-list character, nor should it be. I agree. I, to me, it's one of these that if they handle it well, either is going to be around for a little bit and then just, oh yeah, remember that character, or hopefully one that shows up sporadically, continually. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. That's what I'm thinking. Kind of like with Naomi. That's how I see her. They, they, they tried to make her an A-list, and I just don't think she's ever going to be that. I think Dreamer has a lot more potential than Naomi. Yeah. Because Naomi has an ill-conceived origin, a poorly conceived power set in terms of what the hell is it. Yeah. And again, threw it out there too big, too fast. There's at least some backstory and some character previously defined for Dreamer for them to leverage here, which they seem to be doing. And I think if if they give her a chance to develop organically versus, oh, let's have a Dreamer series full out or whatever, you know, it's, I think they're doing like a, a, a one shot or something. A solo feature's not bad, but if they try to force the character too much too quickly, uh, that's a mistake. Yeah. 
Oh, that makes sense. Hey, it's a mistake for any major character that you're just throwing out there and de- declaring to be major. Yeah. Well, so, something that's wrapping up, which I did enjoy, was Action 1045, which is, it seems like the whole, you know, story with him being off-world and that whole war for the people that are being oppressed. I think that's wrapping up. It's it's going to be done soon. But the glaring thing, or the elephant in the room, and not in the light category, Dark Crisis, how is that? Oh, hang on, you. I want to talk about action for just a second. Oh, action, okay. <laughs> okay. Action opened with six pages of captions and stuff. Yes, it did. I'm like, come on. <laughs> it did have a lot. And, and the backup, which tied into the main story, and I appreciate that, but it ended with a, a Connor Kent Superboy that doesn't look anything like the Connor Kent we've got elsewhere in the DCU. They even brought back the virtually forgotten uh, Kong Kian or whatever, the new Superman of China. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> I'm curious where they're going with the backup, but overall, I'm just I'm so worn out of this Warlord of Mars riff on Superman that I'm glad it's going to be wrapping up soon. It's definitely wrapping up. He's going back just in time to apparently die with the Justice League. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm okay. laughing, kid. I, I, he's supposed to be dead, but whatever. <laughs> He'll get better. Yeah. <laughs> so Dark Crisis, I That's... enjoyed the intro of the JSA. Okay, yeah. I, I figure you would. A little surprised by the end reveal there. It's like, okay, we've, we've seen this sort of a thing a, a thousand times, but okay. And things are starting to feel a little bit more crisis-like. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. It feels a tiny bit more crisis-like. So that it's moving more towards that. And yeah, I, I was just curious. So it's getting better for you then. Yeah, but I mean, that wasn't hard. It wasn't hard because it was really bad. <laughs> it wasn't really bad. It was really boring. No, I, I agree with you. It, it it does feel like it's getting a little more tied into Crisis on Infinite Earths. They're even putting that Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, the little yeah. tagline, which is kind of like, ah, uh, I don't know if you have the writing chops to do it. But I do think they took a good step with this issue. I think it's improving, but it needed to. It did. And the tie-ins were just kind of like, okay for me, so-so, you know, like the well, Dark Crisis, Worlds Without a Justice League Superman. Yeah, that one... It's an alternate reality that we're probably never going to see again. We're never going to see this stuff. These worlds without a JL, you know, Justice League and the different, they're just gone. I mean, I, I didn't see the point of this one. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I read it, but I didn't need you to. You skipped Young Just- uh, Dark Crisis Young Justice, right? No, I did get that. I, I, I read that and I was like, just, wow, what an opinionated take on J- Young Justice and not in a good way. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> it uh, again, tough. that list of writers I don't have to avoid, I, I may be starting one up soon. <laughs> it was bad. And the sad thing is I'm going to I'm gonna write out the, the, the miniseries. Yeah, I, I pre-ordered almost all of them. So I think I had up to four when this came out, and I'm just like, I might as well see it through to six. I guess there's six of them. So. Even if I hadn't pre-ordered them, it's, it's Young Justice, it's characters I'm interested in or was interested in and starting to lose a little interest. I, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it, for me, I'm not going to spoil it and I'm not going to go beyond this issue, but I do think this was a turn in a little bit better direction, but I'm still not excited for the overall event other than the JSA, which I think a lot of people have been hankering for the JSA to come back into the DCU. Oh, absolutely. We've already seen the solicits. So Jeff Johns is writing it. So that's an exciting thing. Yeah. But as, as excited I am about that, the new Golden Age one shot, that, that Stargirl a miniseries and such, I look at some of the other stuff they're doing, like the the Flash thing that's tying in with uh, Dark Crisis. Yeah. 
and I'm like, okay, they're doing a Mad Max riff on one world in like a, a, a Night Flash Batman ish take or whatever. I'm like, seriously? Yeah, it's not. It wasn't good. <laughs> it's uninspired. And if if that's what they're doing there, I mean, I mean, J- Jeff Johns is a great writer, so I hold out hope for those other things. But I think everything on DC, not if let me rephrase this. I don't know how much I'm going to be getting on DC should they relaunch titles and such coming out of Dark Crisis, and I think there's a good chance they will. Yeah. Now, speaking of Jeff Johns, did the Flashpoint Beyond number four, what, did that work for you? Okay, the initial panel kind of confused me. The last two pages kind of confused me. Me too. I mean, I'm liking the series. It's interesting, but it's kind of cryptic at times. It is. I don't know what he's doing, so I'm like, I feel a little off kilter. And we just reread Flashpoint. I, exactly. It's weird, isn't it? So I'm like, okay, uh, that's not going to help any. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling. So it, it, it's kind of weird. That's where I am with this. It's like, I don't feel super confident. I know there's some books that are coming out because of solicits, and that's good. But overall, I'm just kind of like, this is weird. We're a weird time for DC right now. It is. Well, I mean, we've got like the Justice League versus Legion stuff going on. Yep. Four issues in, and I'm like, man, this is, it's 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 fine, it's good, but it's slow, decompressed. I mean, it's Bendis, so not a surprise. Yep. But this didn't need to be six issues. It probably could have been done in four if they'd skipped a, a, a few detours that didn't go anywhere. Yep. He is a big time waster. He's the expert at that. But I, I think this, Flashpoint Beyond, the Flash stuff, all of this is, is playing into the Dark Crisis stuff. And it's like, you're doing a lot of buildup. Is it going to pay off? Is it going to land the ending? Fingers are crossed. <laughs> the more buildup you do, the harder it is for it to, to land. I agree. The more hype you give it, it's more, much more difficult to land yeah. the ending. So it, it's, it's a little bit, I'm, I'm worried at this point is what I would say. Fair enough. Now, one other thing I want to ask you about, Detective Comics 1062. Not a great thing, or you know, it was an okay issue, but it was another creative team change. And I felt like the story was just okay. I feel like I don't really care about this book. This is one of the ones where I'm like, do I need to keep getting it? Is it because it, the new creative teams, and I'm just like, mm, for their first issue, wasn't impressed. Yeah, I'm I'm questioning this book too. And I've been getting this for at least half the run. Okay, so you're feeling the same way I am. All right. Oh, yeah. Neither the main story nor the backup really worked for me. Yeah, and I'm just thinking it's the creative team. And I'm like, if this is... Usually they come out with a with a punch, you know, a gut punch. Here's our first issue. Boom, here you go. I'm like, eh, I was, it was okay. Uh, I don't look forward to future issues. I think it may be more than the creative team, though. I'm feeling similar on Batman. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know what kind of pull the editor has right now, but I know like under the, uh, the Denny O'Neill era and stuff, it was really his take on Batman kind of steered the direction for good and bad. There was some yeah. stuff I think he was a great editor on that set of titles. There are other aspects where it's like, no, no, he wasn't. Yeah. And it may be that right now, just the the editorial jurisdiction that the Batman character's under has a different take and uh, feel for the character than I want. Yeah, quite possibly. And and I hope that's not the case, because if it's that and not just the creative team, it's not going to get fixed by a new creative team. That's true. That's kind of worrying. And it means whatever comes out of Dark Crisis is probably going to still be steered by the editors they've gotten in-house. And some of them are are good people, I'm sure, but I just, I I don't know if I'm just no longer the target audience they're going after, because some of the stuff, it's like, wow, 
Yeah, it, it, and that may be the case. Maybe they're trying to aim towards a different demographic than maybe they're thinking we're aged out. You know, we're 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 done. I don't know. Who knows? So let's see. Let's let's take the people that are older with more disposable income, and and, and nostalgia <laughs> for the characters for for years or decades, and let's not target them. Let's alienate these guys. <laughs> alienate them even. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's, that's a, a winning strategy. <laughs> uh, I hope not. I, I hope really not hope too. not. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I am right now. Like this will be interesting to see. Uh, fingers crossed. Hoping for the best. So of the uh, the DC titles, there's one I did put as is dropping. Oh, what are you dropping? Black Adam. Uh, me too. That's one. I I literally the first thing I wrote is I think I'm out. And I'm like, it's not Black Adam. <laughs> it's, and I'm like, they, 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 they take, take him out in the first issue. It's like, what, what, what are we doing? Yeah. At this point, it's like, this, this isn't the character they told me I was going to be getting. Yeah. And I'm just like, this, if you're going to use this as the movie comic, is this what they're going to be doing in the movie? I hope not. I doubt it. I don't know. I, I'm at the point I don't care. Yeah. I'm not getting all 12 issues of this. Me neither. I'm out too because I'm really not enjoying it. And it's it's it goes against my grain to drop limited series midway. Yeah, but they're curing me of that. <laughs> it didn't take long, but they cured you of your sickness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Move over to Marvel. Yeah, I'm gonna filter my list right now. Marvel got it up. I would say most of Marvel for me this time that I got fell into the. This is solid. This is good. Not oh my god, great. There were a couple of things that fell into the, yeah, I don't know about this. Yeah, I had a few of those, too. I mean, we talked about Spider-Gwen Gwiniverse a few times. This was another, you know, okay, this time it was a Captain Marvel riff leading up to the inevitable team-up of the various Gwens. It's like, you know, I just read that actually this month over in What If Miles Morales, and that was at least a better story. Not to say it was a great story. Like, I didn't need to read it again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the What If Miles Morales, that kind of like was the end of it, and, and I'm like, it was it was okay. Now, I haven't been reading the main Miles title and such. I don't recall the 616, or what had been the ultimate one now into the 616, that Miles, however you wanted to call him. He seemed to speak differently in this issue than I was used to. Yeah, I would agree. That might be the, the writer? I don't know. I just, I couldn't tell if it was the writer or if I was just that out of touch with the character. No, I think he reads more like Miles over in the main Miles Morales title. And I know we had talked about doing a back issue spotlight on mm-hmm. that. And so I'm curious if that one works for you a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. We talked about doing the Clone Saga for that. And I'm curious if if the voice of the character is more as I recall there than it was here. Yeah, because this was, I can't even remember the writer on the What If book, but it, it was just kind of like, eh, it was okay. Cody Ziegler. Yeah, Cody Ziegler. I don't even know who that is, so... <laughs> Well, and that's part of it is a lot of these creators are names. I mean, Paco Medina on art. It's like I recognize that name. Me too. Know that guy. Cody Ziegler. I may have read 50 to 100 comics by him, but he hadn't him, he, she. I don't know. But that that, that name doesn't ring any bells with me. Now, I don't pay that much attention to the creators, so some of that's on me. But if they're really good, I do take note. Exactly. That's the thing. If, If that person would have written anything that I really enjoyed, I'd remember who they were. And me not remembering means eh, I'm not remembering them for a reason. Uh, flip side, if it was really bad, I'd probably remember them too. Yeah, so it's probably a lot of just mediocre stuff. Uh, m- middle of the road. I like to th- say it a little, you know, less negatively. 
Oh, yeah. You say much nicer than I do. <laughs> I try to be diplomatic. I'm not saying you're wrong, though. It's true. <laughs> yeah. But what was something that stood out to you as far as good? Like, because I have a few that I enjoyed. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four was good. I agree with you there. Solid ending to the Reckoning War. I wasn't sure Slot would be able to land the ending on that. And he did. There were so many changes that happened in this book. Yeah. And he kind of like wrapped up a lot of stuff and he, he, he did. I mean, Uatu, or I, I can't ever say his name, Uatu, uh, Uatu, I don't know how you say it. The all-powerful, you get Nick Fury changes, you get the other Watchers changes. You get just so much going on that it seems like it was meant to be a bigger event than just the FF, it felt like. Did you feel like that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I felt like this was supposed to be something really big. They made it feel big, even if it was contained to the one thing. It felt certainly epic. Yeah. And again, it landed the ending. And I, I wasn't sure if it would do that or not. So I was happy with that. I was happy with it, too. And, and I am sad because I think 46 will be the last issue that Dan Slott wrote. Are, are we sure that's the number of it? I think so. I, I, I know that is. I just asked that because of the thread that was on the, the Slack channel today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where apparently on the Fantastic Four title, they messed up the legacy number for a couple of issues. That's hilarious. I can't believe that. <laughs> and, and Tom Brevoort's is, yeah, we goofed, essentially. Yeah, we're a bunch of dopes. I'm like, they they started over like it was supposed to be 610 and they started over at 605 again or something like that. I was like, oh my gosh. Something, something. They just, they, they lost track of where they were or whatever. And it's like this, I mean, granted, you have two numbers to keep track of, but a plus one math operation, not that hard. Yeah, you wouldn't think that'd be something that fell through the cracks. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Damn. And for it to be a book starring some of the smartest people in the Marvel Universe? Kind of funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Very ironic, to yeah, say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just uh, this is a question I had for you. I Okay, I feel like Zdarsky has written Daredevil better than he's writing Batman. Even though I am enjoying what he, some of what he's doing in Batman now, and I'm going back two months because I'm not going to go into what I've read in August. But I, I think he – did you get Daredevil number one, which is basically just a renumbering of what he's already been doing? I did not because it was just a renumbering of what he's already been doing. Okay. Daredevil is one of those books that they had a volume change at a time I was looking to cut back, so I did. Yeah. And that may not have been the right choice. But now I'm far enough behind on it that it they haven't really hooked me. And part of it is they did that bizarre numbering with like the Electra one shot or something that either was or wasn't a Daredevil issue. It was, yeah. It was too confusing, and I didn't jump back on with the new volume. Well, that makes sense. I was just going to ask you if you if it made sense if you did jump on here, but I, I'm still enjoying the story, although things have changed. With the number one, I won't, I won't say it makes sense because it should be number whatever, let's say 49 or 38 or whatever it should be. But, you know, after Devil's Reign finished, you had some big changes with Matt, Mike, which is Matt's brother, mm -hmm. Electra, and Matt has some interesting possibilities pop up in this comic near the end. And I feel like the issue does a good job of catching up the new reader, and I was going to see how that worked out with you. I, I feel like it's, if you were enjoying it before, this is still good. It's not one of the best issues of the run, but it's decent. Yeah, at some point I should probably, you know, either hop on Marvel Unlimited or something like that and, and catch back up and see if I want to get back into the, the character. Yeah, and we can do a back issue spotlight if you want to. I mean, who knows, you know? I'd have to figure out where I left off and... Stuff like that, because I at least want to figure out what I missed in the meanwhile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And take your time doing it. But certainly I'm open to the idea. 
of, yeah. of doing the back issue spotlight if there's a good run. Well, uh, one that we I know we both read, and it was a wrapping up of the issue. I, I really like Maestro World War M number five. That was the final issue, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a fantastic issue to the series. You know, uh, David had been building up the the Maestro and his Hulk. You know, for thirty years, his third well, his run from thirty years ago, and there's an omnibus coming soon with this material and his Maestro material from the original Hulk. So it's going to include both of them. Well, and what, Future Imperfect and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and Future Imperfect. Yeah. So I I thought it was a great fight. You know, you get to see almost like a team up with the Abomination uh, against Namor, Doom, and the original Human Torch. I thought it was just terrific material. Okay, Doom's Hulkbuster armor I thought was kind of funny. Me too. <laughs> I, I like that. And again, we knew how the story kind of had to end, and it ended how it should, leading into Future Imperfect. It has to. So this is where we are. Boom. And it didn't feel telegraphed. It didn't feel like a letdown or anything. Again, Peter David is a solid writer, has been literally for decades. Why he's not getting more work and stuff, I mean, he's getting some work these days, but why he isn't doing like the, the Dark Crisis Young Justice over at DC or something, I don't know. Yeah, it's just surprising because he's a very talented writer, just like Mark Wade, And I mean, there's still some names out there and guys who are just really talented. And I'm just surprised that he's not leveraged more. So, Well, and one of the things that makes Peter David, as far as I know, fairly unique in terms of his writing, he's one of the few people, possibly the only, to have had an ongoing kind of branch of the Star Trek universe all to his own. Yep. He did New Frontiers series of novels and stuff, and uh, I think a mini series of comics based on it. And it's solid stuff. The guy's a great writer. Yeah, he's he's terrific. So yeah, I I would I wouldn't be opposed to seeing more stuff from him. Yeah, yeah. And now, what else has been working for you before? Because I like I don't want to keep talking about stuff I liked. What have What have you been enjoying? Really, most of what I got was in that solid. This is good, you know. Category, you know, Iron Cat. Iron Man, uh, Variants was good. That's one I didn't get, which I kind of regret a little bit. <laughs> well, again, given Spider-Gwen and the What If Miles Morales, I, I, I don't blame you for skipping that. Yeah. It's a little slow in the second issue, but overall, still liking it. Iron Cat again, uh, Jed McKay is continuing his, his Black Cat stuff. I liked it. And it's, it's a fun read. It's satisfying in one while building to a larger story. Yeah, it, it, terrific. He, he's really good at doing that. Yeah, and that's that's a skill that I really think needs to get propagated out across more titles and, and more comics and such. I agree. There was one thing, uh, well, there, one of the other things I was going to ask you about. X-Men, they had a new Hellfire Gala. Yes. And the, the first one I really enjoyed. What did you think about the second one? Because it was a long book, too. Yeah, it was. It was a seven ninety nine book. I don't think I fully appreciated that when I, I cracked it open. It was a lot to read. <laughs> I wasn't expecting part of the story to continue over in Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, that's true. Not going to say that was in its favor either. It seems to kind of sort of be kicking off the, the axe stuff. Yep. It was it was good. I'm not going to say it was, oh my god, great. They definitely seem to get some information out there from uh, between a couple of different characters and stuff that should spin some things out into some new directions. Yeah, th- this totally felt like the axe kickoff book, you know, with the reveal on the... Uh... And the bugle about the, the, the mutes. Well, it's funny because we also had Axe Eve of Judgment, which was kind of, in theory, the kickoff for the event. I know. Two kickoffs. <laughs> and that did not fall into my, this was just okay or good, competent kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, there are a ton of Eternals, and I'm not well-versed on the Eternals, although I have recently read the original stuff. 
and they're listed at the beginning. And apparently, I mean, first off, most of the names aren't one I recognize. Yep. They've got like literally a hundred of them listed, or 101, one too many. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think it was more than one too many for me. Yeah, it was about a hundred too many. <laughs> yeah. Way too many captions and exposition at the start of the story. Yes. Too much of the Eternals, virtually nothing of the X-Men and the Avengers, and I was expecting more than I got there. And honestly, I didn't think it was a great prelude to the story. It did not get me excited for it. I agree. The, the Eva judgment was pretty horrible. Now, but we also got the Axe Judgment Day, which is the first, first issue, issue of, of that. I like that more than the prelude, personally. I did too, although that wasn't hard. And I'm not yeah. going to say I liked it a whole lot more. Okay. It was an okay start to the event, but it's not an event I'm all that excited about. And I am kind of glad Eric and I re- read the uh, the original Eternals series recently, so I've got a little bit of a, a bearing on these characters. But I don't know. I don't know. Well, I have one pet peeve with Kieran Gillen. I was reading his Eternals when he first started writing it, when they relaunched it right before the movie mm-hmm. came out. And he has this thing where he likes to use these black text boxes with blue text. Oh. And it is so hard to read. And I'm just like, I, I want to wring his neck. I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be turning 49 next month, and I have reading classes. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm struggling here. This is the worst. And I, it's almost worse than the, the Dark Knights, Heavy Metal Dark Knight. Oh, the uh, the red on the black or whatever? Yeah. yeah. I think the blue on black is worse. <laughs> like, oh, this is horrible. I don't know if that's on the writer, the letterer, the whoever, but I mean, I think there are certain color combinations. You do not put this color text on this color background, and that needs to be just table stakes for, for comic book production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I, I'll tell you what, as far as like action, you know, this felt like, I, I, I don't know. I can't say this will be a movie, but this is felt like read like something that you could see in a Marvel movie with like the Eternal saying these guys are are deviants, you know, after they fought all the deviants and the the mutants becoming eternal in the MCU and just seeing this big fight between those two. I I it just read like something that was being written as a potential script. Possibly, although the way they set up the Eternals in the movies, there doesn't seem to be the bazillion of them. Exactly. There's only like like 10 of them or what however many there were. And they haven't really set up the X-Men in the movies yet. Exactly. And the Inhumans they set up in the TV show have pretty much been ignored. So, I mean, they could, but they'd it would be five, six years down the, the line before they'd have enough other stuff set up to do it. Yeah. And for this whole event going forward, and I am ahead of you, and I'm not going to spoil anything or say anything about it, other than it feels like the A on Axe is tacked on. And I don't think the A should be there. There should be no Avengers. Oh. It should be just X-Men and Eternals. I feel like the Avengers distract from the story, personally. That's just me. Well, if they're there, they need to be there for a reason, particularly since they get the lead. Yeah, you'll see in the future, but tell me what you think next month when we meet. <laughs> well, and it's funny, because if you took it out and then flipped the letters, it could have been E-X. Yeah. And it's X, you know, and that would have been funny. That would have been cool. <laughs> X, Judgment Day. I would have been on board. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff that I like that you didn't get, I, the last issue of King Conan, the, mm-hmm. you know, Jason Aaron, it was good. I, I wouldn't say it was great, but I'm, I, I would give it an A-plus just because farewell to Conan as he goes to Titan Comics. And then Savage Avengers, number three, I was, I'm enjoying it. It's, it got a little bit better because they finally got the team together and they're fighting the Deadlocks. I, I, that worked for me. And another one that I, I did enjoy personally was Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. I was curious about that, but it kind of annoyed me that they're 
kind of retrofitting the character based on the movie. So I didn't pick it up. Okay, what was interesting is you were reading Shang-Chi previously. And dropped it. And dro- Okay, and dropped it. I thought you were enjoying it. I can't remember. For some reason, I thought you were liking it. And so I picked up this thing based on you enjoying the previous book, which I guess you didn't enjoy. But I, th- I at the beginning it was good, but then it got to where it was all about his family and not about him, and it just uh, it, it seemed to go in a different direction than I thought they were going to take the character in. Okay, well I can't promise you, but this may be something that gets dropped in the future. I mean, it was decent. I I didn't dislike it at all. I thought it was fun. But you know, you get to see Shang Chi. You know, it, it, you get easily caught up if you haven't read much of them in before. I, you know, I love the power of the rings in there and you get a fight with aim and Hydra and the hand and etc. you know, name the bad guys. They're all kind of there, but it was fun. Well, what gets me with the 10 rings is the 10 rings were originally the 10 rings of the Mandarin. Oh yeah. Which still exist in the Marvel universe. They're about to come into play elsewhere. Why does Shang-Chi have? <laughs> no, they're different rings. Ah, different. Okay. The Mandarin has actual rings that go on, rings the fingers on his fingers and stuff. And these are the other the movie These are the, the, the movie bracelet things, which were cool, but different. I wonder if they're going to call them something different for the Mandarin now. Who knows? Well, no, there's still the Mandarin's rings, but now we've got the Ten Rings, which are a separate thing. Oh, all right. And it's like, yeah, whatever. All right, just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And last thing I was going to ask you about before we switch to indies, are you like, did you like the Iron Man number 21? It looks like we're starting to finally see a new arc on this title, so I like that. Me too. That's the thing. I was like, finally something different. <laughs> and I think where they're going could be very interesting. I just, it feels like we're getting a change of, of supporting cast with this, a few other things. It doesn't necessarily jive with what's going on in Iron Cap, but I'm okay with the, that being different or whatever. I mean, I like the art. I like the writing. It's just that it's taken them till issue 21 to start a second arc, it feels like. Yeah. It got me like, wow, this is decent. And I think it's because they finally changed the arc. And I was like, it, it, it's not that it was anything, you know, it wasn't like, bad, but we're finally moving forward. Yeah. And that I think that's what I was. That's why I noticed. I was like, wow, it's something different. Finally, something different is happening. OK, cool. Let's go with this. But now I'm afraid he'll stay here for the next 20 issues. Who knows? Looking at the solicits for the next three, what they kind of teased at the end, I think, of this one is going to take at least the next three or four to, to play out, minimum. And it could be longer. And that I'm not. that's just the reveal at the end. Oh, God. That's not the arc. <laughs> oh. So. You know, there's the whole, oh, there's the MacGuffin, it takes a, a while to get the MacGuffin, and then you've got to deal with the MacGuffin? That so kind of a deal. The slow burn is on. All right. Yeah. Well, the excitement will wane, I can, I can sense. Yeah, at least it's well told, even if it's horribly paced. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to talk about with Marvel, or did you want to jump over did to the Indies? Did you pick up the Genesville Captain Marvel? I did. What did you think of it? I liked aspects of it. I mean, I remember reading this character. I remember reading him with, with Rick Jones and all that stuff. But, man, the story jumped around in time and space way too much for it to be a clear read. Yeah, I didn't really know the character. I had not read him in the past. So, this was my first... And it was jumping all over, so I was just kind of lost at points. I was like, I, I don't have the affinity and the, the love for this character, the nostalgia for him. And now you're jumping around all over the place, and you're kind of losing me. And I, I just felt kind of like, eh, at the end, I, I could pass on it. But some of the supporting cast, Rick Jones, Marlowe and stuff, you should know from the Hulk stuff. I do. I know them very well. 
from the from Peter David's run, and we we did uh, read the first omnibus in the book club. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I enjoyed it, but it's one of those things I'd almost like to see the story laid out linearly. Yeah, I agree. But Peter David, so you know, again, good writer. Just I think he he got a little too convoluted this time. I agree. This was probably the worst of the ones he did of uh, those minis. Yeah, yeah. I, well, and again, first issue. If the rest gets a little more straightforward and, and comprehensible, that'll help. Yeah, I agree. Shall we move over to the other publishers? Yeah, this is where I have a lot of stuff in red because I've already canceled a lot of this stuff. <laughs> I have more stuff here in the, wow, this was actually pretty good, than Marvel and DC combined. Wow! And I know you're loving the uh, Power Ranger stuff and the Star Trek stuff, so that's got to be a lot of it, right? Mighty Morphin. Mighty Morphin. I thought they did a really interesting way to introduce the metallic armor, which was not something that was great from the show, but it's like, okay, if you're going to do it, at least do it well. Yeah. Public Domain number two, are, are you reading that? I'm not, and I regret it, because you said you're really enjoying it. It's it's a little bit of a slow story about a family fighting to gain control of a massively popular comic book character. It's good, like I said, slow, but it probably should be told slow, because I don't want them to rush through this. I just, I don't know how long of an arc Sidarsky's got planned for this. Interesting. So, is it going to be a miniseries? Is it going to be ongoing? Where are they going to go with this? I don't know, but it's it's well done. I was very close to pulling the trigger on buying it, and for whatever reason, I didn't, and now I'm kind of like, ah, I might have to pick up a trade with it later on. Yeah, at this point, I would recommend it, yeah. All right, all right, thank you. And then, Star Trek Mirror War number seven. Good. Things are heating up for the finale, and this Picard, unsurprisingly, is much more aggressive than the quote-unquote real Picard. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. Ah, oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so well, so you're having a good time because you got rid of a lot of the chaff, and you just stuck with the good stuff. Well, I haven't really cut that much. I think some, I mean, there were a fair number of things. I mean, part of it is I had more that I really enjoyed here than Marvel and DC, which says something about Marvel and DC. There was a lot, like I said, over at Marvel that was just solid, but not great. And there was only one or two things in in the other section where it's like, yeah, I don't know about this. <laughs> That's funny. And one of them we talked about, firepower. Yep. I'm just, I'm losing interest. It's not bad. It's not something I feel I need to keep reading. Yeah. It's like, why am I reading this? I, I feel like I'm just going through the motions right now. Yeah. And then we've hit what was in Walking Dead Deluxe. We had 42 and 43. 42 I thought was was good. You know, but this wasn't what I recall being a kind of a high point of the series. Then I hit 43 and I'm like, oh, yeah, this was my least favorite issue of the run. Oh, OK. All right. It's just far too gross for me. And it's like, yeah, I can't read this. Oh, very gross. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Overboard and clearly done, I think, shockingly so. It was so bad that normally I would read that page of what was he thinking at the end when he looks back at it. And I'm like, I can't even do that. Wow. <laughs> Now just, I want to know what 43 was. I can't re- I don't remember. Uh, probably something bad. It was uh, kind of the return of the governor. Oh, uh, all right. I remember that. Okay. Uh, it was It was needlessly brutal, I felt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think he was doing it for kind of the shock and awe, and it's like, I, I don't need that. Ah, uh, all right. All right. Cool. Well, not cool for you. <laughs> but yeah, and Yusagi Ojimbo number 29, a solid story. I, I really like what they're doing in the stuff. I'm not sure how many more issues we've got before it hops over, I guess, back to Dark Horse. Yeah. Maybe two more or something. That was really weird how it left Dark Horse and now it's going back. So that was pretty quick, too. It wasn't that long. Three years, maybe? Yeah. It was just 
it seems like it happened really fast. Like, I mean, three years isn't, I mean, it's long, but it's not that long, you know, boom, boom, it went back and forth. I've got to imagine that IDW told Stan they could do something for him that Dark Horse wasn't doing or something like that, or it made sense at the time. I'm sure once he left, Mike Richardson over at Dark Horse was trying to get him back or whatever, I guess. I don't know. I can see that playing out that way. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But I'm sure Stan's doing what makes sense at the time. And, you know, three years, things can change. Yeah. And the comic industry's radically changed in that time. It really has. Yeah. Yeah, It makes sense. And it could be as simple as with IDW kind of not being featured in any other distributors' catalogs and getting kind of slammed into the back section of of previews. With no pictures on anything. no pictures and stuff like that. Maybe having it in Dark Horse will get them a little more visibility. I don't know. Honestly, that makes sense more than anything because, yeah, IDW, sometimes it it looks like a new startup. When you look at their stuff, you're like, oh, my God, this looks abysmal. (laughs) I think they did not handle contract negotiations particularly well. I think they could have done something to mitigate that. Yep. Now, there is something from IDW that I really enjoyed, which was a new number one. And I don't know if you got it. Basically, IDW rolled out this new – we're going to have these creator-owned stories coming out. And Scott Snyder did a new number one called Dark Spaces. I did not get that. And for the first time, it was not a horror book by Scott Snyder. So it, it basically, you know, normally you get the, the horror and whatever. This is a story about firefighters. They're criminals. You know how they use a criminal sometimes to fight forest fires or do other jobs outside? Mm-hmm. You know, you can get time out of your cell and reduce sentences. So there's a group of women that are basically like these people that go after the big forest fires that are happening in California and looking for the commuted sentence. One of the ladies is in for the long haul of 60 years. And close by, there's a house. I, I will just say, because of stuff that they're discussing, they know that there's crypto that's kept here on hard drives, wow. art, and etc. lots of stuff there. And basically, the, they have an opportunity because you know, this mansion's completely locked up. But in the case of forest fires, a lot of that security system shuts down so people can get in and remove the art and things like mm-hmm. that. And they're not, they don't have any guards there watching them. What do they do? And are they going to make that call? And are they going to do it? And so it's a heist book. And I, it, was, it was pretty enjoyable. Not what I expected. And because it was so different, I think I enjoyed it more than I would have if I knew it was a heist going into it. I can see that. I can see that. It does sound interesting. Yeah, very, very good book. I, I thought it was enjoyable. There was a new... AWA number one absolution by Peter Milligan. Now, normally Peter Milligan, I am not a fan of because he writes weird books that I just don't enjoy. But I started this book a little bit hating it. (laughs) It was set up like a Twitch gamer concept where these people watch other people gaming, but it's a lady in real life and she's basically killing other people and people are making comments and like, Mm. you know, like idiot kids are like, oh, that's lame. You know, do this. Like, show us your whatever, you know, like stuff that you would imagine the worst of humanity says online when you're online gaming. You see sexist, obscene, racist comments that these people are making. But later on, after a while, the book becomes really interesting because it's like these death row criminals are given an ultimatum. Hey, you can do this suicide squad type option, go out there and fight and entertain. And if you get ratings good enough, we let you go. Or you can just, you know, beheaded. And they have explosives in their head in case they run away or whatever. Okay, so one, that's not too original because that's they do in the Suicide Squad. And suicide two, Squad, yep. <laughs> if you do well, we'll let you go. Okay, so you're getting ratings for you, so we're going to let you get off the show? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense either. It doesn't jive, does it? So no. I, 
you're seeing the twist. What's happening? Because yeah, so it was kind of interesting, but I did I did enjoy it. I thought it was fun. So it's working for me. The other ones that I'll tell you, and these are just real quick. I won't go in depth. Still enjoying Death Dealer number three. It's from Opus. It's a it's a riff on Barbaric from Vault. Enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Do a Power Bomb, which is a wrestling book, which I never thought I would have liked, and that's um Daniel Warren Johnson. Really terrific book. And then that one book, oh, The Closet, number two, really good. Uh, you know, there's a nugget of a good story in there, but there's other stuff in there that it's slow pacing, but I'm enjoying it. It's a little bit of a horror book, but it's not really horror. And then the one that the last one I'll tell you about is Seven Sons, number two, came out. And this book is weird in all the best ways. I, I, I think I told you about it last time we talked. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm kind of digging it. You get a weird cult around the seven males, the G's eye. <laughs> The, the Jesus is... <laughs> yeah, okay, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, and so following, you know, one is one has died, and they, they're waiting to see if he resurrected, and, you know, one's generally good and a black sheep, and one of the black sheep Jesus takes the good one out to a club and tries to get him to drink and womanize, and he's, he's cursing, and he's not really into it. And so there's, like, it's just so bizarre. It, everything in here is bizarre. They have a group called Allah's protectors or something, and they're out to kill the Jesai because they think they're heretical and just so bizarre. That, but I'm enjoying it just because it's weird. I can't describe it any more than that. It's written well and it's very weird. And Jay Lee is the artist, and I enjoy his art. Ah, okay, okay. So I wish I could tell you better, <laughs> better than that. But if you're in for something weird that's actually entertaining about a weird religious cult in the future, this is the book to read. Usually, if it's wow, it's really weird. Not a selling point for me. <laughs> But that's just me. So. I didn't think so. It's just, I'll mail you the book if you want to check it out. <laughs> nah, I'm good. But it, I can see why where, where you're liking it, though. That's good. Yeah, I mean, then there's other stuff, like the Joneses was decent, you know, and there's a lot of just okay stuff, and then there's a lot of stuff I'm canceling. Uh, the Joneses was, was good. It just it's, it feels like it needs a better editing pass on it. It really does. It, it, that's what I'm feeling, too. It, it feels like with some tighter editing, it would have been a much better book. Yeah, yeah. I think if either Straczynski or somebody had given a little guidance, they could have really punched it up to be a top-notch book. It's good, it's fine, but I keep feeling it should be better. Me too. It's like there's a there's a nugget of a good story there, and they're doing a decent job. It's just like you feel like it could be amped up another notch or two, and it's just like, eh, you're 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 right there. Come on, come on, you're right there. Yeah. And I felt like if Straczynski was writing it, it would have been a much better book. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we would have had our socks knocked off. We'd been like, wow, this is good. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, you know, I, there's stuff in here that's okay, but there's a lot of stuff I, I'm canceling and I'm not getting stuff. Like, I'm canceled all the Red Sonia, canceled Saga, canceled, you know, the Vampirella stuff, uh, the year one. I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this stuff. I'm just, just done. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I've still got to cut the cord in a couple of things, like Radiant Black, Rogue Sun, a few things like that. I just, I haven't firmly made that decision. It's just, they're teetering on that that edge. Yeah, for some re- weird reason, I got Magic Order number Volume Three, Number One, and I my 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 comment is, why did I get this? <laughs> I didn't enjoy the second one. Why did I get it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I get. I need to cancel it. <laughs> I just need to be more thoughtful when I place my orders. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because then you enjoy more of what you read, and you don't feel like it's a chore. And if you know you're not going to enjoy it, why waste the money, you know? Well, and part of what I did differently this time when put my order together was I didn't do a blind pass. I went through the various catalogs, and it's like, okay, this looks good. Let's put it on the list. Yeah, that's smart. 
you know, and it's it's hard to do that because it's it's time consuming. I'm lazy and say, oh, I'll just get these things. No, no, I got to stop. And they've got to be uh, earning their way onto my list a little more than they have been. I agree. I agree completely. So we'll see how well I do with that moving forward. Yeah, fingers crossed that things get better. So it's interesting though. That I'm happy that you're enjoying more of the indie stuff, and hopefully Marvel and DC uh, write better stuff going forward. We'll see. At least most of what I got from Marvel was in the, this is competent, this is maybe not great, but it's okay. Not a lot of horrible stuff, yeah. Uh, there are one or two things that were in the horrible category, but there was more over at DC, and some of the stuff at DC was, you know, like Detective, Wonder Woman, things that are, are big enough profile they shouldn't be in that category. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I am very interested to see when we do the August, you know, Look mm-hmm. back, what you think of Flashpoint and Dark Crisis? Because I, I think I'm pretty sure the the later issues that I've read, my opinion changed on some stuff, and I'm not going to tell you if it's better or worse. Interesting. But I just want to see where where you are. But it changed a lot. No, those are certainly litmus test titles for the DC universe at this point for me. Yeah, so I'm so interested, but once again, we have to wait until you get caught up with your reading, and, and we'll record that. <laughs> I haven't read anything beyond this month yet. I'm doing good to get caught up as we're doing these because we're recording these right now in every other week cadence and that means i've got four in this coming case five weeks of comics to go read so yeah it's 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 all good but it does take a little bit of time yeah you're cramming right now (laughs) now one thing is i did want to follow up on a discussion we had last time on the monthly comic spotlight okay uh, where i talked about i'd read some books and such oh yeah yeah the books there was a question on the slack channel about what i'd read First off, on the superhero books, Sam had been asking about that, and I'm pretty sure I gave the the titles of I'd been reading, and there's what I've read and there's what I recommend, and I want to make sure those two don't get confused. What I recommend is Wearing the Cape. What I read more recently was the Raptor series and the Sidekick series, and I can provide information to people on them, and they were okay. Okay. They were not great. Wearing the Cape, much better. Yeah. It was a more realized world, and yeah. And then there was a question more recently on time travel books, because I'd mentioned I'd read a bunch of those. Yes, you did. And then I mentioned a few of them, which was the, was it the uh, Seven Rules of Time Travel, which was it was all right. One second per second. Uh, seven Rules of Time Travel had three novels. One second per second had two novels. Both had a little bit of almost non-standard takes on time travel. They were fine. What I'd recommend, the Time War series, I've done a series of episodes on them by Simon Hawk, 12 novels, great stuff. I'd also recommend the Star Trek Department of Temporal Investigation series, five novels of time travel within the Star Trek universe. It's on the list for my sister and I to, to reread and review on the podcast at some point. Just don't hold your breath. Take us a little while to, to get through that. But then Chris Myers says he's into time travel movies and comics and stuff, and he recommended the Bad Times series by Chuck Dixon. Oh, okay. Interesting. And uh, they all happened to be on Kindle Unlimited. Nice. So I went ahead and picked up the first, which I have read. It was it was 200 pages. It didn't really take all that long to read. It was a bit of a page-turner. Overall, I enjoyed it, so thanks, Chris, for the recommendation. I did find it a little gory in places, but it's text, so it didn't you know put any bad images in my brain. And I will say the amount of profanity was a bit, I felt, excessive. 
And granted, the people, the characters' mouths it was coming out of, you could argue, oh, but it's realistic. It's like, I don't care. They could still talk in a realistic and not profane way, but it was it was entertaining is what it came down to. Interesting. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was the first of six. I'll probably continue going through them, particularly now that I know going in what to expect. It's like, okay, there may be some some things I find, you know, again, gory and more profanity that I need, but, you know, I can live with that. Cool. So, and Chuck Dixon, I've I've been reading his stuff for decades. Nice, nice. In, in comics and whatnot, so it's fun to see him without having an artist interpret the work. Nice, nice. Well, I'm glad you found some books you enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Myers with the recommendation, coming through in the clutch. If only I had, like, a recommendation spotlight series of episodes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm still willing to do them if people ever send in clips, but uh, it just never cut on. Anyways. Yeah. And this will go up too late, I think, before, but we're doing book club this Thursday. So we're recording this on the 13th, so that's in two days. We're doing yeah, it this up. is not going up on the Monday between the, the Tuesday and the Thursday, since there isn't a Monday between them. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully you get to join us, because we're doing, what the heck is it? I can't remember. Doing Hush, uh, Batman 608 to 611 this time, so three four-issue chunks. Yeah, and I already read my four issues, so I'm ready to go. So looking forward to it, because we usually have a good crew, and hopefully there's a lot of people that go show up for the book club because we always have a good time. Even if we talk about the comics a little bit, we it's more about we talk to each other a little bit, get to know each other. It's nice. Yeah, it's a good social opportunity. Exactly, because we're so distant, you know, and in the podcast world and the Zoom world, it's nice to put a face with a name, you know, yeah. instead of text and stuff. It's just enjoyable. No, I definitely enjoyed the book club when I did that, when we did uh, JLA Avengers and such. Yeah, so I know you're busy and you got to read a lot of comics, but if you show up, we'd appreciate to have you. I'm planning on showing up. Hopefully I'll be able to. Awesome. I've already read the four issues, and man, the, that's from, what, 2003? Yeah, a long it's time ago. Nearly 20 years ago? Which is insane. I didn't think it was that long ago. I know, me neither. Yeah, I was like, Jim Lee on the art. <laughs> I've only read the first four, so I'll read the next four in two weeks for that one and stuff like that. But definitely, if people are interested in the book club, Either get in touch with us or go to the Slack channel. We've got the information in the book club channel there. Uh, again, come hang out, get to know people. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Anything else? No, that does it for me. Cool. Recording clips for the preview spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview spotlight. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>